walking with Jesus, serving with love, and sharing with courage. Welcome to the PCOM Podcast. Hey, everybody. Uh, I've missed being here with you the last couple of months. I, I was away with my folks and my brother's family and Steph and my kids over New Year's. And rather than record an episode ahead of time to then be posted later, uh, Dan and Courtney both actually graciously volunteered to fill in for me. I think I think Dan won that battle, but but it was it was a close fight. I got to ski with my five-year-old Easton for the first time, and maybe I'll share a bit about that later. Uh, it was it was pure joy on the mountain with him. Today I want to uh, revisit and and just expand a bit on something that I touched on in our Christmas Eve service at PCOM. Like Dan, though, I, I kind of have an aversion to repeating myself, but it's likely some of you weren't in attendance at that service. And also it, uh, it got some other things kind of, kind of cooking in me. Uh, and, and if these notions have been helpful for me and have stuck with me in a positive way, then maybe there's something here that you might, uh, you might connect with as well. So, so let's go. But but first off, uh, can I just start with a quick Easton story? Is that okay? Easton is my five-year-old son, and I was just now telling him that I was going to go record a podcast episode. Going to head to my office, going to record the episode, and here was the here was the conversation that followed. Easton, what is this podcast you're doing? me. Well, I'm going to share about how I have this need to always be correct and to always try to be good, but lots of times I'm not able to be either of those things, and it's hard, Easton. Well, that's not even possible to always be right. Only God is perfect, (laughs) and me now laughing. You're right, Bear. That's my my nickname for Easton, Bear. Easton responds. Like, every single person on the whole entire earth makes bad choices sometimes. Me, still laughing, and now I'm sort of cuddling him. How do you know that? And Easton, and now he's laughing. Ah, I'm actually just too smart. (laughs) I'm even like smarter than adults. <laughs> that was it. So what what he lacks in confidence, uh, he makes up for with, with incredible humility. That's my guy. So on on Christmas Eve, I had talked a bit about uh, Jesus saying to the disciples toward the end of his ministry, you will do even greater things than these. Even greater things, even greater things than what Jesus did. 
It's it's incredible uh, and it's shocking. And, and it's like Jesus is saying, don't just stand around and talk about me. Like, you know, yep, Jesus, that's our guy. That's our guy. We're going to have the bumper sticker and, and we're good. We just, we say the Jesus stuff and no. Instead, instead he's saying, go, go, go and live, go and live in the generosity, the humility, the courage, the love that I have shown you. In, in the face of despair and hopelessness, I have given you the authority to show up, to show up with this gift, this gift of hope, this gift of grace and love. And I, I should clarify here that the week leading up to this Christmas Eve service, uh, when I was sharing this, I, I had completely lost my voice. And it was just sort of this waiting game to see would I have any voice available to lead and to sing um, for this sort of special service. And, and with how weak my voice was while trying to lead, I, I was sort of brought to this truth. So especially with how lacking my voice was, I have to believe that what God desires from us is not perfection, but participation. Not perfection, just participation, just our showing up. And so when we sing that carol, O come all ye faithful, perhaps that's just an open invitation to those who are willing to show up, ye faithful, to be faithful and willing, to be open to whatever new thing God might be doing right here in our midst. I have another quick story, and and this might be a bit of a leap, but I, I, I promise to at least try to, to bring it all together. I, I have Joe's permission to share this anecdote. That's, that's Joe Patrick, one of our former PCOM high school students. And, and I'll say, I, I don't have his, his permission to share this part, <laughs> but Joe, Joe is one of my absolute favorite people. Joe is kind and curious, and most of all, Joe is utterly guileless. There's no artifice. There's no scheming. So a few years ago, I was with Joe and maybe 20 other PCOM students and Matt and the other leaders and we're at Boomers, uh, Boomers to, to hang out, to have fun, to play a round of mini golf. Now, 
I am a very bad golfer, <laughs> but I am only miniaturely bad at miniature golf. Even so, fully knowing my my lack of skill in this arena, I I really, really want to be good at it because I just want to be good at things. But but like in a, you know, in a sort of cool, casual way, like where where it looks like I'm not even trying, you know, I'm just sort of, oh yeah, I'm just good at this too. And yeah, yes, this this is just as embarrassing sounding to me as it is to you. <laughs> Who is this guy? Anyway, we break off into groups and I step up to the T of the very first hole. I might have shared this uh, with, with Peter, our church business manager, who is a very good golfer, uh, when I interviewed him. But even though I golf right-handed, I putt left-handed. And this is where mini golf is perfect because the putters are reversible. So, so I step up to this first hole feeling unnecessarily nervous because literally nobody cares how I do except for me. But I take a deep breath I guide my putter back and smoothly strike that yellow ball up the green. It has good pace. And surprisingly, it looks to also be heading in the right direction. So I watch with hope and it's in the hole. It's in the hole, a hole in one to start out the night. And internally, I am screaming with delight. Externally, still trying to, you know, play it cool. Like, yeah, this is what I do. <laughs> That's when, when Joe, sweet Joe, standing behind me with a few other students, he says, in all earnestness, the line that would, would simultaneously lift me and also send me crashing down to earth. Joe watches this hole-in-one and then maybe moderately impressed, but also slightly dismayed and entirely to no one, Joe says, is there anything Jeff isn't good at? Is there anything Jeff isn't good at? This simple utterance nearly split me in two. I'm, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, it was... It was the exact line that I had strived and sweated endlessly in my youth to hear, and yet never did. All I ever wanted to hear was, you are correct and you are good. And I spent so much effort, thought, tears chasing after that thing. And then Joe spoke it sort of out of the blue and it gave me everything I thought I ever wanted. 
and it still wasn't enough. And even even in the way that Joe said that simple phrase, it's like he was recognizing and and you know appreciating the effort of of trying to be good at stuff. But he could also sense the longing and the desire to be accepted that comes with that striving. If what God truly desires is not our perfection, but our participation, our engagement, our connection, our willingness to fail, if that's what God desires, I believe it's because God wants what is best, what is best for us. And the striving for perfection isn't that. But the good news the good news is, as, as we were just reminded this past Christmas season, the good news is that even when we're striving, even when we, when we overemphasize correctness and rightness and goodness, even then, the star shines over Bethlehem, welcoming us to kneel at the manger. In the times um, when we feel as unworthy and as unacceptable as, as the spurned and neglected sheep-herding shepherds, we are welcome. But also in the times when we strive, when we strive for correctness and perfection, like the wise ones from the East, we are always welcome to participate, to bring whatever gift we have to give, humble or, or even pompous as it may be. We are welcome to worship, to delight, to be filled, to rest to lay it all down, we are welcome. I want to end with another quick Easton story. As I mentioned, I got to ski with him for the first time. I, I snowboard, but he's on skis. He had been on a few runs with his mom, uh, during his first day on the slopes. And I, and I knew that Steph is uh, sort of more patient than I am in this sort of endeavor. And so it's like, I'm sure they did great together. Um, but this was my chance to see him do his thing. Um, and it would, it would be his second full day on skis. And I just didn't know what to expect. Um, before I tell this story, I still remember my first day on skis as a kid and uh, just the, the trust that my parents put in me of, of like, I said I was ready and they just went with it. They're like, sure, let's get up on the left. 
let's let you let's let you ski let's let you do your thing and i should say to that notion of uh not hearing the message that i was good enough at everything my parents were were deeply encouraging um celebrated my gifts my abilities my efforts um but this this was a you know a different message that I was always seeking from um, from people that were not my parents, I guess, from um, from friends, from mentors, um, from from I guess myself. Um, anyway, just want to put that out there. So, Easton on skis. I go up on the chairlift with him, and you know, even just that first little dip getting off the chairlift is is a little uncertain. Not sure how that's going to go, whether we're both going to crash into each other. But we make it safely off the lift, and uh, I strap into my snowboard. Easton waits patiently for me and, and says, let's, let's go. I'm ready to go. The very first part of this run, we're on, you know, green circle slopes, but the very first part of the run is a pretty steep hill and it's it's a little bit chopped up because uh, people have been skiing on it for a good part of the morning. And so I'm just kind of watching behind him and and he just takes off flying down this run. No fear, no trepidation. And I'm like, whoa, buddy. And so I'm... I'm still like getting used to being back on a snowboard. It's been quite a while since I've been on my snowboard. And so I'm kind of trailing behind him, trying to do my turns. And he gets going so fast that he clearly can't control himself. He took, takes a spill, he falls, he slides, he tumbles, the skis are everywhere. And I'm just trying to catch him like, oh no, he's going to be traumatized. He's never going to want to ski again. I get down to close to where he is, I'm picking up his skis, and he kind of pops up, looks back up the hill at me, gives me a thumbs up. <laughs> He's like, that was awesome. Let's keep going. <laughs> so we gather his skis, I get him back into him, and, and we keep making our way down, down that first run. And let me tell you, his form was anything but perfect. <laughs> This was far from good. This was far from perfection. But he was participating. He was giving his everything. He was engaged and he was there for it. And just watching him and the joy uh, that he expressed in, in just trying his best, getting back on the skis, making his way down the mountain, um, weaving in and out of other very slow skiers. Um, I just can't even tell you how much joy that brought me, how much delight that brought me to just sort of make my way behind him on my snowboard and just, just watch him in awe and in gratitude that I get to um, that I get to observe this uh, and then I get to be his dad, that I get to, uh, to have this glimpse into a life that God has created. And, and he teaches me. 
He teaches me how to be present, how to be, how to be open, how to crash and fall, skis flying everywhere, <laughs> and still give a little thumbs up because we get to get back up and we get to do it all over again. Amen. Go in peace.